This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash... Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for a bigger job, try the superior strength of hefty large black bags. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Ladies and gentlemen, RPA is proud to present Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. Hi, I'm Phil Hughes. And I'm Jen Doherty. We're the creators of The Workshop Presents. And you're listening to Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show Season 2, where we talk about some movies and read some fiction. If you want to go ahead and get a hold of the show, you can always contact me at Aaron's Horror Show on Facebook or Aaron Horror Show on Twitter or Aaron's Horror Show at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. Oh man, this recovery of my broken leg is taking a long time. Yeah, uh, for those of you just tuning in, I broke my leg back in uh, January, January 4th to be exact, and uh, yeah, I'm just barely walking, like like I can walk short distances, uh, you know, between the couch and the bathroom, uh, stuff like that, but uh, it's painful, <laughs> it's, it's super painful, and uh, you know, walking, work, and all that other kind of stuff, like, uh, you know, longer distances. I still use a walker. So, uh, yeah, you know, tibial plateau fracture. Anyone uh, who has that injury, it's a long recovery process, let me tell you. But, uh, yeah, it's good to be moving again. So, anyway, speaking of moving again, uh, let's get a move on on my uh, Christmas uh, special story that that <laughs> literally had planned to be done, of course, a long time ago. But uh, still here it is in, in uh, <laughs> you know, uh, May now. and uh, or, or maybe this will come out in April. I'm recording this in April, but but I don't know if you'll hear it till May. So... You know, it just depends on when this episode's released. Anyways, uh, <laughs> either way, you know, I hope you're enjoying the story, and uh, yeah, we'll get to some other ones. So uh, let's continue on, and a quick recap. Basically, uh, Jing, you know, saves uh, Elijah, but uh, Amelia is uh, stuck at the North Pole with the evil Santa Claus, and uh, he, you know... See, gets Krampus uh, out of uh, prison, which is, uh, you find out Krampus is uh, Santa Claus's uh, twin brother, and uh, so he convinces Krampus to come help him uh, save the girl, and and uh, yeah, that's kind of where we're at, so let's start with the chapter. Let's hope it's a good one, without any fear. 
A few hours before sundown on Christmas Eve, Jing took off with the rest of his crew. They had spent the last few days planning and waiting. Jing knew the perfect time to strike. It was the night before Christmas. Even though he didn't want to leave Amelia in the clutches of Santa any longer than he had to, Jing knew how chaotic the North Pole would be hours to go before the big day. They would be in their final dash to make sure Christmas executed flawlessly. There would be last-minute shipments from all over the world. Elves doing shelf time would be flooding the network with reports and updates. Kids would be sending texts and emails. Elves would be running around in preparation. And more importantly, the incoming and outgoing sleigh traffic would be barely manageable. The most common reindeer mid-air collisions happened on Christmas Eve. Another reason why Jing spent the time in Norway. There would be enough chaos for him to slip in un undetected. But that still didn't mean he should drop his guard. Glitter and Kolachki would be on the lookout for him. Santa no doubt would give him shoot-to-kill orders. Even though the target and the terrain were familiar, it would be the most dangerous mission of his life. Jing turned the transport westward with a slight southern bend. The journey was unusually silent. Even Krampus didn't have anything to say. He glanced towards his companion and saw Elijah playing a game on a tablet lent to him by Heinrich. Even though they had been holed up in a pagan cabin in the middle of the Black Forest of Germany, the old man still had Wi-Fi and all the other conveniences of modern living. Soon the land masses of Europe gave way to the ocean, and the ocean gave way to desert, and then to jungle, and finally they circled a beach town in Mexico. It wasn't hard to spot Julio's vacation home. Jing had already looked it up on Google Earth and pinpointed its location based on the photos he had seen in Stephen's elf book. It was back in the day when he still fantasized about killing them both. Now the jilted lover had a job to do. He landed the sleigh on the black porch next to an infinity pool. Julio was sunbathing. The traveling salesman saw Jing jump out of the vehicle and stumbled backward. He hid behind the chair. Stephen came out of a sliding glass door, holding two cocktails with peppermint sticks, and dropped the tray. He stood between Julio and Jing and said, Don't you dare! We have done nothing to hurt you, and if you think this will get back at me, you are... Stephen trailed off when he saw Krampus and Elijah climbing out, joining them. What is the meaning of this? Stephen demanded. Relax, Jing said. I'm only here because you're the only person I can trust with this task. I, uh, but, uh, Stephen was taken aback. No, really, I love you, and I don't think I'll ever stop loving you. However, I'm willing to take some responsibility for what happened, and I apologize for ignoring you. Jing, I I'm glad you said that, Stephen said. Jing could tell his soon-to-be former husband was getting emotional, but y you must know. That I will never be getting back together. Can you hear me out? Jing demanded. Even though I owed you an apology, it still doesn't excuse what you did either. What you did hurt me. You made me feel disrespected. If you want to see other people, then you could have told me. Jing, I'm sorry. I can't explain what I did other than the fact that it happened. I'm sorry for how it made you feel. I still have some extra Iron Man's if you want, Julio added. Maybe for the kid. Jing said, but we have an important mission. You see, Stephen said, this is what I've been saying all along. Couldn't we just have our moment? Why does it always have to be about the mission? That's just who I am. And if there's something you can't handle, then maybe we're, we're, 
meant to be together. I never said, All right, all right. And people say, I talk too much, Grandpa said. Who's this Santa lookalike? Stephen asked. He's too skinny to be Santa. Julio remarked. It's Krampus, Jing said. In the flesh, Krampus said and laughed. <laughs> Don't worry, I left my horns in my other suitcase. Don't pay attention to him, Jing said. Look, I have a favor. I need you to watch Elijah. Oh, and make sure he has internet access. Y yeah, anything, Stephen said. No, I don't hate you, right? I do, Jing said and felt a stab of emotion. It was hard enough to be here, and he wanted to focus on the task at hand. Now, and most importantly, this goes for Julio too. Don't tell anyone he's here, no matter what you might see on TV or the internet about him. Jing, Stephen said, is everything all right? Just swear to me, you'll keep him safe, Jing said. Yes, of course, for, for what it's worth, I, I, I trust you too, Stephen said. The last statement hurt. Even though Jing's trust in their marriage had been broken, he still trusted Stephen to do the right thing with Elijah. One of the things that had attracted to Jing in the first place was his former partner's genuine need to help his fellow elves. Stephen would stop to help an elderly cross the street, whereas Jing would push them out of the way if they were in his path. However, that was the old Jing. With the voice of Amelia in the back of his head, he might just stop to help that old lady. However, it was a little too early to tell if he could change. He'd have to start with not killing. Baby steps. Jing said his goodbyes and confirmed that Elijah knew his part in the plan. Jing turned to Stephen and said, One more thing. Do you have a local costume shop? We have a couple stops to make. After his ex-partner gave him directions, Jing climbed back in his sleigh with Krampus. They made sure the box in the back was secure and left Julio's pad behind. Jing would soon be home. Jing flew the craft by himself. Krampus was nowhere to be seen. There was a giant box in the back of the sleigh. The first obstacle for getting inside Santa's complex was the air traffic controllers of the North Pole. Once the ground became white sheets of snow in every direction, the onboard radio squawked. This is NB-1, over. You have an unregistered sleigh? Jing picked up the mic and said, we had a last-minute order of Mexican wrestling masks to deliver. Apparently, they're making a movie about Mills Mascaras this year. The kids are going to go crazy. We have to verify, over. Jing waited for the response with bated breath. One of two things were happening right now. They would have gotten a hold of an elf in charge of making sure there were enough toys to fill the underside of every Christmas tree. Or the far more likely scenario is that due to the insanity, they would just verify his course and trajectory and find that they were coming from Mexico. Jing was just glad he had gotten into Mexican wrestling for a while and could make it sound plausible. You're clear for Hangar 3. Tell them to need to log a proper flight plan for every shipment. It's a safety issue when an unknown craft comes in the airspace, especially on Christmas Eve. NP-1 chided. Will do. Copy that. Jing flew the sleigh into the North Pole airspace. More sleighs flooded in and out of various hangars that were attached to Santa's workshop. The ordinary sleepy town was transformed into last-minute frenzy to make sure Christmas went off without a hitch. The elves who were visible running through the streets on one errand or another Jing joined a line of traffic for Hangar 3 with three other sleighs. He landed with no issues. A team of cargo elves dashed out to help unload. When Jing climbed out of the driver's seat, 
The elves were confused because while the slaves were emptied, the pilots stayed put so they could take off right away for the next load. However, none of them seemed alarmed, which meant that Santa was still working in secret and hadn't attempted to brand Jing as a criminal to the greater elf population. However, Jing needed to be cautious. Any security personnel would have surely seen a picture of his face. I only have one box, and I need to deliver it to Santa myself. Jing said it indicated the load in the back of the sleigh. We can gift wrap for you. Uh, you can then pick it up from there, one of the elves said as a team lifted the box and sent it on a cart. That's okay, Jing said as he swiped the handle of the cart and took off towards the interior of the workshop. It doesn't need to be gift wrapped. You'll need authorization to get pissed, the elf called out as Jing pushed through a set of double doors. He pushed past a sizable gift wrapping room where elves were frantically unboxing shipments and preparing them for a Christmas delivery. They put the finished presents and gift bags on a conveyor belt. Jing wheeled around a corner. There were a couple of bathrooms and a door that required a security badge. Jing took the box off the cart and dragged it into one of the restrooms. He called out to see if it was occupied. There were no responses. Jing pulled a pad of paper from his pouch and wrote out of order. He peeked back in the hallway and didn't see anyone. He stepped out and posted his makeshift sign to the door. He went back inside, yanked out his dagger, cut open the box. Krampus popped out and took a big gas of air. He was wearing a Santa suit with a little extra stuffing to make up for his skinniness. You won't believe how stuffy it gets in there, <laughs> Krampus exclaimed. You know, there's no other way to sneak you in here, Jing responded. Why not stuff me in that pouch of yours? You know they'll kill you, right? And <laughs> why can't you pretend to be my brother? I mean, I think you'd do a better job at it. Or maybe I could just pretend to be it myself. Anything would be better than being in that box. Santa doesn't use elf slaves. He only rides in his, Jing said. Now will you please tear up that box and stuff it in the trash? I'm going to return the cart to the hangar so they don't get suspicious. I'll be back in a moment. What if someone comes in? They shouldn't, but if someone does, hide in the stall. Jing said and exited the bathroom before Krampus could reply. Jing grabbed a card and returned it. The elf had spoken to him earlier, put it away. Jing didn't walk towards the sleigh. The cargo elf said, Aren't you going to move that thing into parking? It's messing up our quotas. You have a lot more to worry about if it's not here when I come back, Jing said. When will that be? Don't you have other sleighs to unload? The elf didn't persist. Jing wanted it there in case they needed to get away, though he wasn't sure how long it would last. Soon the elf unloading the cargo would question it and call up the supervisory change, and that would give Jing's entry point to glitter. However, Jing was hoping the cargo team had the same dilemma as the air traffic controller and were just too busy to spend time figuring out a mystery sleigh. Jing was all too familiar with the corners people cut when they were overworked. He spent a lot of his time tracking down people who Santa believed were shorting the children. However, now that Jing was enlightened about the true nature of his job, he wondered how much of it was merely shaking down Santa's competition. Jing pushed the bathroom door open and it was empty. Krampus, he cursed. Before Jing could storm out, he heard Krampus from one of the stalls. Jing, is that you? Yes, come out. Jing rolled his eyes. A pair of boots stepped down on the floor from a toilet. Krampus came out. You told me to hide if I heard anyone coming. 
Jing didn't bother to argue. Krampus had a point. It was better safe than sorry. However, he did make a mental note of how literal Krampus could be. Jing wondered how much of those 150 years in prison had affected his brain. It was too late to turn back, and he needed Krampus if he wanted to be successful. Jing motioned for Krampus to stop. They had practiced hand signals along the way, so at least he could count on some form of communication going right. Jing listened at the door to the bathroom. Once he was sure it was clear, he motioned Krampus forward. They snuck into the hallway, and Jing pulled out a set of small tools from his pouch. He popped the badge reader and off and fiddled with the electronics inside. After a moment or two, he wired two cables to a device, and the door clicked open. The device he had used was a simple bypass that would fool the sensors on most doors. The new models of bad readers would block him, but security in the North Pole hadn't been upgraded in a while, mainly because getting to the place in itself was a feat, and the readers were used more to create access levels than to block intruders. However, Glitter knew that, and Jing had to be vigilant all the same. Jing and Krampus crept down a long hallway. There were various rooms off to the side. Most of them were defunct workshops where elves used to handcraft every toy. Rather than repurpose the space, Santa would add on. There was a little ego component to it, too, because all the extra space made the exterior of the workshop resemble a grand keep overlooking the town. About halfway down the long corridor, a pair of security elves exited one of the workshops. They were wearing full elf tech gear, armed with candy cane machine guns. The security had most definitely been increased, because any firearm that wasn't a toy in Santa's place was unconscionable. Jing reacted quickly and shuffled them into the nearest room, just as the patrol turned there to their direction. The room had old carpentry benches and even some handmade toys with a bird that would dip its head into a water bucket for a drink. The wayward SEF wondered if Al had worked in this facility. The bootsteps got closer. Jing stood in the entryway at the ready. Krampus saw the drinking birds and said, Drinking birds? This is so cool! I remember these! Hey, Jing, you think kids still play with these? These were hit back in the day. Jing frantically waved his arms, attempting to get Krampus to be quiet, but the twit kept rambling about the bird that flicked its head up and down. The boots ran down the hall towards the disturbance. The elite elf reached for his dagger out of instinct. He remembers promise and bare-knuckled it instead. The two security elves rounded the corner at the same time. Jing got the drop on one and clocked the guy in the head, sending him sprawling. The elf went down. The other fired as he whipped his gun around. Jing tackled him, and the spray of bullets went wild. It blew off a few wooden birds from the table. Krampus ducked and covered his head. The two struggled for a moment, then after a headbutt to the enemy, Jing grabbed hold of the gun. The opponent let go of his weapon and covered his bloody nose. The other was recovering from the hit. Jing kicked the firearm towards Krampus. Pick it up, he demanded. Krampus picked up the gun like it was a live grenade. He squinted and aimed at the captives. A candy cane communicator on the vest of one of the bloody noses crackled. You okay? A voice came through. Tell them it was an accident and that you're okay. Jing ordered with the gun to the elf's brow. He never said anything about not threatening to kill. You know I'm an SEF. You know I know every code word. Don't try it. The elf clicked his comm. It was accidental discharge. Everything is nominal. Copy that, voice said. Thanks, Jing said and thwacked the guy with the butt of his gun. After they tied the two guards up with some tinsel from Jing's wristband, 
with the bigger on the inside cartridge of climbing garlands, they struck out again down the long hallway. This time they had guns. Jing didn't bother putting on a disguise. As he went deeper to the inner sanctum of Santa Claus, the chances of him coming under the radar were next to nothing. The tricks that worked on the cargo elves weren't going to work here. They made it to the end of a hallway without further incident. There was another security door. He had no choice but to pop the lock, like he had with the first one. Once the door was open, Jing poked his head through it and looked to either side. By some miracle, the coast was clear, and he was on the inside of the estate. Jing still had a functional floor plan of the living area in his head. There were lots of libraries, ballrooms, movie theaters, dining rooms, sitting rooms on the first floor. The basement reserved for the kitchen, laundry, and the servants who kept the house up. The second had offices, a gym where the SEFs would train, and space for the high-ranking elves. Santa's living quarters and all the bedrooms were on the third. The floor floor had a private launch bay of the big sleigh itself. The conveyor belt and the gift wrapping room no doubt ended there where souls were probably stuffing the bags furiously for the big night. The fifth floor was a mystery. In all his time working for Santa, he had never been to the fifth. In a hundred years, he had almost seen every square foot of the mansion, never once set foot in the fifth floor. Jing was told a while back that it was just attic space. From the exterior, the explanation rang true. Because the slope of the roof, it would be a much smaller footprint than the other floors. However, Jing saw the light on the attic window no matter what time of night he would gaze up the property while it loomed over the village. Jing knew that if Kris Kringle were hiding something, it would be up there, or else someone would have stumbled on it before Jing. Now the only problem was getting to the fifth floor undetected. The grand spiral staircase in the center of the building was entirely off-limits. While it continued winding upwards after the fourth, it was way too busy of a staircase to have any chance of making it without forcing a confrontation. That left the servant access stairways peppered throughout the estate. They were narrow and only went up to the next floor, but at least he could walk up one without being in sight of everyone. They made their way through the first floor. It was quiet, since Santa usually only used it to throw parties. In between one of the ballrooms, Santa used for nighttime raid, and a lounging area was one of the servant stairs. It was unguarded, and an unlikely duo made their way to the second floor, before they popped out into the hallway that should be between the offices of the main reindeer handler and the elf who supervised the shelf program. Jing pulled a tool with a tiny mirror at the tip of it, so he could glance down each end of the hallway. There were two guards posted on the head of security's door. Killing the two would have been easy. Incapacitating them was much harder. He didn't carry many non-lethal tools in his arsenal of the bigger on the inside pouch, which was odd the more he thought about it, and it should have been a clue to the true nature of his boss. However, Jing figured in hindsight a lot of St. Nick's practices were pretty shady. Sending elves to spy on children should have been a red flag. Even the popular songs about Santa knowing when people were sleeping and awake and had a creepy vibe when given a totalitarianism spin. Jing kicked open the staircase door and caught two elves by surprise. He shot the tinsel rope at their hands. He tangled the trigger fingers before they could even think about pointing their guns. They went for the comms next. He pulled two razor snowflakes and tossed it at them. They both cried out in pain when their hands got pinned to their broken communicators. The two other security elves had heard the commotion and popped out from behind the corner. Krampus charged, swinging his gun like a club. 
They were taken aback at the incredible likeness to Santa. The hesitation all Jing needed to get two good swings, as he knocked out one and then the other. Jing turned his attention back to his targets, and they're already running down the hall. He shot more tinsel at them, and they fell flat on their faces. Come on, Jing said. We need to get to the third floor. Shouldn't we gag him, Krampus said. No time now. They probably already called it in, even if they didn't. If anyone is in these offices, they would have heard the scuffle. Come on. They took off in a sprint down the hall. All right. We're getting very, very, very close to the to the end. I'm guessing maybe one, two more episodes, and yeah, it will be done. All right. Well, thank you so much for sticking with me. And uh, yeah, you know all the great podcasts we have here. We got mine. We got... Terry's Mysterious Moments, uh, we got Sandman's Lullaby, and then of course we got the flagship show of Real Paranormal Activity, where you get to hear your story. So yeah, check them out, and there's some videos too, uh, so check those out. Lots of good stuff here on the Real Paranormal Activity Network, and uh, thank you so much for listening, and have a good night. Bye.